A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earle and A.M. Kozak. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earle, and I'm recording the episode solo today from my home. My co-host, A.M. Kozak, is not here because we're all supposed to stay in our homes these days. It is Wednesday, March the 25th. I'm in my nightie. It's uh, 7 o'clock in the morning. I've had my coffee already, and uh, my voice is uh, not too bad right now. It was... uh, was kind of going in and out for a while there, but uh, I've drank some water, so I'm good. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you may have noticed that Erin and I have mentioned Adele Barkley a fair bit. We had the chance to meet her and hear her read from If I Were in a Cage, I'd Reach Out to You. Sorry, If I Were in a Cage, I'd Reach Out for You. Uh, A fair bit. Okay, so uh, at the Tree Reading Series in 2016... When I heard Adele was coming to VerseFest this year, I was excited and invited her to be on the podcast for an interview. Unfortunately, this the festival, along with everything else, had to be cancelled. Uh, all being well, Adele will return to Ottawa and to the festival another time, and we'll have a chance to do the interview. In the meantime, I thought I'd share my thoughts on Renaissance Normcore. You'll notice that I'm reading prepared notes for the most part. Doing the podcast alone is an odd experience. I always prepare and read some from my notes, but when I'm not alone, it is a conversation as opposed to a monologue. I'll try to add in some asides and I'll likely stumble a bit, but uh, maybe these days it's, it's not a bad idea to show the stumble. We're all stumbling these days just trying to get through. So I'm going to ask Charles uh, um, not to erase these stumbles. I hope it doesn't make the listening arduous. This is an experiment. All being well, I won't be podcasting alone again, or if it's something you don't mind, perhaps I will. These days, it's all moment by moment. So I first wanted to talk about my practice of reading poetry as both um, a poetry fan and a writer of the stuff. Now, we all, a lot of you here, if you're listening, you, you're readers of poetry and you're also writers as well, probably, but uh, I, I don't take that for granted. I don't know who's listening, to be honest, unless you, unless you tell me. So, um, as someone who enjoys reading poetry, I read for pleasure and interest. If, as I'm reading, whether it's an individual poem, a chapbook, or a book, something resonates for me, I become curious and want to engage more deeply with the work. Also, if, if I'm listening to an audio recording or a video recording of a poem, as, I, as we are doing a lot lately, I might also stop and, and uh, make notes and, uh, and see if I can find the person's work. So... Uh, anyway, if, so I, yeah, I become curious and I want to gauge more deeply with the work. As a writer, I want to understand the craft. I look at the metaphors, the line breaks, if there's, if there's some um, other things, a sound play, for instance. I'll read through the book several times more, and if I do that, I'll usually write about it for myself, first of all, to kind of write up what I'm 
my notes on the book, figure out what's going on, to share with others. And I may even reach out to the poets of the works to share my thoughts. I mean, I think it's a it's a good idea if you've if you've enjoyed uh, uh, something someone's made, whatever kind of art it is, to uh, if you if you can to let them know. I don't think it's such a great idea to share uh, negative reviews with the, with the with the artist or writer. I, I don't see why you do that. It's, it's kind of a it's kind of a down. So uh, yeah, I usually give a shout out on social media and write a small note on Goodreads. Sometimes I'll write something more detailed uh, to my blog um, or or a site. Maybe uh, I mean there's a few different sites that I'll I'll sometimes do. I've done some um, notes on about books like Autowater um, for, dot com for example. Um, then I, I, if they have other books or chapbooks available, I do my best to seek out those works as well to notice commonalities and differences between the works. So when I'm working on a new manuscript, I will often run through my head to see who else has done similar stuff and revisit it, looking at the way they handled a problem or a challenge that I'm currently struggling with with the work. Uh, the more I read, the better I write. Uh, my, my own my own philosophy is, I, I hope, the better I write anyway, but at least the better I try to write. Uh, my own philosophy about about that is I I want to read more than I write or more than I more than I publish anyway I want to um, reading should be a higher priority for for me anyway so but I I realize that I'm making it sound quite systematic and it's not really it's more it's more of a write a bit go back rummage through my shelves to a book or chapbook or individual poem that I know is doing something similar or perhaps perhaps ask uh, people on Facebook or mostly Facebook. Uh, Twitter, I find, doesn't work well for those kind of questions. But Facebook, um, if I ask some, some, sometimes people will come through. Is there anyone else who's, who's, um, who's written poems that uh, are, uh, deal with myths, uh, feature women, for example? And I'll get a, a few other, I'll get a few answers. So back to Renaissance Normcore. Uh, it was published by Nightwood editions, in, in, which is Harbor Publishing, in 2019. It's a book of humor and vulnerability, light and dark, grief, rebellion, feminism, queer community, magic, emotional and sexual candor, anthems, shared music, pop culture, and literature. The cover, designed by Carlton Wilson and featuring art by Kate Webb, is it's lovely. It's a it's a, a blue color. I would say like a like a sky blue or a, a pale blue, a vase decorated with flowers and teardrops, or perhaps drops of blood, with a door at its center that overlays the front and the back cover, surrounded by slivers of moon on each side at the top and waves at the bottom, which evokes for me a body. And Kate Webb, the cover artist, is a tattoo artist, oil painter, and owner of the Black Cat, which is located in Fernwood, Victoria, B.C., uh, I found that the spirituality and themes of the occult of her aesthetic in her work, and particularly through the cover art of the book, align well with the book. I'll put up a link to uh, Black Cat Tattoo in case any of you at some point uh, living out there in, in Victoria or, or nearby might want to stop by and, and later, not now, obviously, and, and perhaps uh, get her to, to uh, do a tattoo for you. I don't feel like artists and cover designers get enough credit for the fine work they do. I think it would be a cool subject for a podcast episode. If you're listening and you think that might be fun, you can always uh, tweet me or uh, or Facebook me or whatever method you want to communicate with me and uh, suggest some uh, covers and artists that uh, do uh, great to cover work. I'm thinking of um, some of the wonderful uh, 
covers Barbara Caruso uh, did uh, uh, through uh, Nelson Ball's uh, Weed Flower Press and other places, I think. So anyway, that, that's just a thought. I, I That's an aside because I don't have any information about that so much right now. So, um, okay, so Carlton Wilson, the book's designer, I've been a big fan of his design for many years. He's done other, other cover designs for Nightwood and probably other places. He's also the publisher of Junction Books in Toronto, and I'll, uh, I'll post that uh, link to Junction Books as well. So back to Renaissance Normcore. The title Renaissance Normcore feels like the first of many contrasts to be found in the book. Renaissance clothing is typically doublets and vests, weights, cinches, and corsets, kind of sexy clothing evocative of an earlier era, uh, and also used sometimes to people do uh, wear it for various costumes uh, today and perhaps in certain environments. Normcore, I have to tell you, is a is a term I'd never heard before. So I did look it up. I found a couple of different references that seem germane. Uh, a 21st century term meaning unisex clothing, and then there's a there's a site called High Snobbeity. I think I'm pronouncing that right, which says uh, so. Normcore, essentially, a joke that got out of hand, is about embracing the mundane and following the crowd, flying in the face of alternative subcultures and more challenging or bold approaches to fashion. So fancy sort of um, clothing with Renaissance, older clothing, and then Normcore, more modern and, and unisex, plainer clothing. It's interesting to uh, interesting to learn these things. The book contains five parts with individual poems in each part and uh, a poem series, Cardinal Signs Just Want to Have Fun, in part two. Again, a, another, uh, there's a music reference there. The, a poem series also occurs in each part, each title beginning with I'm in an open relationship with the sun, the moon, the ocean, the fire in my body that keeps me up at night, and the earth. The elements fire, water, air, and earth are repeated throughout the book. So the book opens with two epigraphs from songs by Jenny Lewis of Rilo Kelly, the song Silver Lining, and Fiona Apple, the song Werewolf. The entire book features so many references to music that it isn't surprising that Adele created a Spotify playlist of 33 songs. And I have to tell you, I, I listen to that playlist a lot. I really love it. It's, it's been very carefully created, and I really admire that. There are 44 poems in the book, and many of the songs or the musicians in the playlist are mentioned in the book. Float On by Modest Mouse is on the playlist but with a cover by Misty Mountain and appears in the poem Burn It All Down with Water. I'd like to float on okay, but then I read about the singer from Modest Mouse, page 19. A number of the songs on the, on the uh, playlist are covers such as Bats for Lashes, beautiful rendering of Springsteen's I'm on Fire, where she changes the lyrics from girl to boy, or Aqua's Barbie Girl redone in slow rhythm by Tene with the gorgeous, soulful voice of Thana Fayed. Now, also, Meg Hurley does a great uh, version of uh, Tragically Hip's Wheat Kings. Whole, Fiona Apple, Lena Del Rey, Lord are all on the soundtrack. I want to say soundtrack, it's a playlist, and many of them are mentioned in the book. I had fun going through the book while listening to the to, to the playlist. So yeah, it's interesting that I want to say soundtrack. I do feel like the I do feel like the uh, the 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 play the playlist is a soundtrack for the book. Uh, 
one of the questions I'll be asking Adele is about the music and, and when we do have a chance to be uh, to do an interview and how she worked with the music for the for the uh, book or how that worked because I'm I too like to uh, I use a lot of music when I'm writing and I also make a lot of playlists on Spotify maybe I should put up my own link as well um, so I listened to the soundtrack a lot, as I said, and one lovely inclusion on the playlist is one line by Alyssa Barkley, uh, Adele's sister, who died after a struggle with concussion and PTSD last year in November. Alyssa was known in Toronto's indie music community as Warrior Girl. Adele had a, a GoFundMe campaign to pay for the production of a, a, an album by Alyssa, and uh, according to uh, Adele's Twitter post recently, uh, the album is being mastered this week, and it's going to be called Tales of an Underground Compassion Clinic, which is an amazing title. Uh, as, a, as an homage to Alyssa, I'd like to, I'd like to start uh, read a poem from the book called Live Through This, and it's on page 29 if anyone's wanting to read. Live Through This is, uh, is from the, uh, the title is from the album by Hole with the same name. Okay, Live Through This. Tori Amos taught me about the volcanic goddess Pele and breakups. I carried from the choir girl hotel with me every day in middle school. Even though I didn't have a disc man, I'd pop it into the CD-ROM of my workstation during computer lab and listen with my older sister's headphones. She wore Le Chateau black lace and clumpy mascara, eternally courtly love in all her bruised incarnations, sober-winged angel, molting busted guts and gravel growls. These days my sister and I convene easily over a common enemy but without trauma. As our anchor, the connection gets choppy. I exit the bus to hear her voice more clearly as it filters into the left earbud of my broken headset. She is 37, and our parents want to lock her in the basement with our mother's boxes of undeveloped film. I advise, take to the sky, and tell yourself the house burnt down. Beautiful poem. A lot of references to music in that, too. And uh, so, um, again, I'll post the link to the Spotify playlist. Uh, it's a really gorgeous uh um, playlists, a soundtrack. I hope that you uh, you go and listen to it. The opening home poem of the book and part one, You Don't Have to Choose But You Do, feels like it sets up the recurring contrasts that appear throughout the book. The poem explores binaries through pop culture, literary references, and nature. Later in the book, the speaker of the poem mentions their Veronica Jughead hybridity, which is a great, I love that, and I, I should have put the reference to which poem that was from, but I haven't, so you'll have to go on a hunt for that. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about this a bit more, but there's, there's um, in the book, there's instances of transformation from one state to another, fluidity, that's also prevalent in the book. And as I, I was saying, there are a lot of um, oppositions in the book. Um, for instance, blood and stone, solid, uh, permanent, and not solid, either liquid or ethereal or ephemeral, tiny versus vast. For example, toy boat to supernova and we are stupid little animals. There's also examples of nesting throughout the book. So for instance, from burn it all down with water, a cell with a semi-permeable membrane inside an organism, inside an ecosystem. Some of the other things that I, I found um, particularly resonant in the book were, for instance, the um, naming of people 
first names for friends, full names for literary references and places, for literary references and also places. I needed an Oxford comma, comma there and it wasn't there. So there you go. Uh, there's also queerness, sexual candor, power exchange or BDSM vocabulary, transformations from one state to another, which I've mentioned, references to writing and making poems within the text, elements of dark or raw humor, which I'll talk a bit more about, the vocabulary of therapy, childhood trauma, animals, magic and the occult, so astrology, the tarot, for example. I'm going to read the first poem, which encompasses a lot of the elements I've mentioned. You don't have to choose, but you do. And for those um, following along at home, it's on page 13. And if you don't have the book yet, you, I hope that you get it. And um, and then you'll uh, you'll be able to, well, you maybe you can order it uh, now um, or, or uh, borrow it from a friend. No, don't borrow it from a friend. We're social distancing. Okay. You don't have to choose, but you do. Would you rather be the sun or the moon? Would you rather sing like Jenny Lewis or Fiona Apple? I gave you a box from Lithuania and inside it wind and rain, and beside it space for another box. This isn't a nest, but a to-do list I vaguely mention, as if I know what I'm doing tomorrow. The alarm will go off and I'll sink into resignation that light isn't the ocean, but it almost is. I've replaced living with swimming and reading Anais Nin. I like when she shuts down Henry Miller for correcting her English, trying to pry her away from her diary. I read their letters and imagined them both on Facebook messengers. All the dick pics he'd send her, her chatting up several men at once and never recycling material. Would you rather be blood or stone? Would you rather receive or give a dick pic, be moved or be the one doing the moving? Between us, a storm and two completely different skies. The structure and the repeated imagery of the book is evocative of the tarot with its opposing card structure. I'm not I'm not that knowledgeable about the tarot, but I have noticed that they do have opposing cards. So that's something I found interesting about the the what what the book evoked for me. Whenever I write about something, I'm not actually trying to. I, sometimes I worry that um, by talking about uh, what some of the stuff I noticed in a book, it means that I, I I'm trying to say that this is what the author had in mind. You know, I, I you can't know the, those sort of things. At least I can't. So I'm not trying to put um, intention into the into um, Adele's. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to guess at her intentions or anything like that. I'm just I'm just talking about the different things that the book evoked for me. I could do whole essays on the materiality of the text, the way the weather works in the book to add to or articulate the mood, for instance, from how to enforce boundaries with physical geography, autumn knocks a dent into her depression that winter packs with ice. And as I mentioned, the book has a lot of wry humor, a, dark, a way of dealing with trauma that many of us have, a certain darkness. For example, see Burn It All Down With Water or The Fish. If all the queers of East Van braided their hair together, we'd have to look sexual tension in the eye. That's on page 20. Uh, so, okay. I decided to reread If I Were in a Cage, I'd Read Out for You, Adele's first poetry collection, which came out. Uh, by Nightwood Editions in 2016 to see, first of all, because I wanted to, but also to see if there were commonalities and differences, recurring images and themes. 
The book also contains five parts with repeat, two repeated series throughout it, Obad with four poems and Dear Sarah with six poems, which has a continuation in Renaissance Normcore with a seventh poem. I, sus I suspect that these poems were quite popular. I seem to remember um, the Dear Sarah poems when uh, Adele was reading a tree, she, she read from a Dear Sarah poem and, and uh, I remember it was quite uh, good to, this letters to someone it was quite good to read. So cage, which is the sh my short form for if I were in a cage, I'd reach out for you. It also names specific people and places. Both books give a sense of community, particularly queer community. One of the biggest similarities for me was the use of opposites, which occurs in both books. So for instance, in Obad 1, night winces open and light brushes closed, or sleepwalking, I fetch fire out in the rain. And the contrast between the small and the large is also in both books too. So for instance, in Sarah 2, leashed tigers paraded into prey under the great hall's open lungs. There are a few specific references to music here too. Music is architecture, a bridge's counterweight in the shape of a horse, the undertow of a harbor pulling a red tide, Obad 2 on page 32. Both books have great and unusual juxtapositions, such as The Gates of Dawn on page 53. The city stretches its belly, fills me with wine, ginger snaps, beetroots, applesauce, streets steeped in ghost waste and urine in every water closet. And in Renaissance Normcore, Spell for Pisces New Moon, Neptune tells me this fever is real and imaginary, Another contrast. Paints my dreams new colors. Lilacs on fire. Percussive forest. Blue that blushes. Pepper rose. I'd like to read from If I Were in a Cage, I'd Reach Out for You, the poem Materials, which is on page 20. Materials. I'd rather the silk stretch and fray than maintain this gracious distance. And comparing a scarf to a noose is nothing new but the material is the sign that builds the bridge. In the stories passed down from hand to mouth, the princess strangles the king with her hair. And the way you demand to be smothered and bruised, the fetishistic quality you assign to women's clothing. Your filthy mouth, I want to gather all these threads and knit them into a narrative to prove. I have been worn and I have worn through the veneer, absorbed the exterior and transposed its wealth. Spun spittle and warmth, the textiles of your storytelling, this room outworn in the day's eye, this synthetic cocoon. If I were in a cage, I'd reach out for you is a feral, furry, neon, film noir, earth collect earthy collection of desire and melancholy. It's Coraline at a carnival pulling tarot cards for a wolf in a uniform costume. It's darkly sensual. It's plum sensual. It gave me a craving for pickled herring. I've enjoyed the opportunity to engage with Adele's poetry and, and look forward to interviewing her here in Ottawa on the Small Machine Talks the next time she's here, possibly at Versefest. I hope you're all taking care of yourselves and your loved ones are safe and healthy too. This is a tough time. I'm glad I have piles of poetry to get me through and I hope you do too. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my husband Charles Earl for techno wizardry, to Jennifer Peterson for intro and outro musical wizardry. And you can read more about Adele on her site, adelbarkley.com, which I'll post on the show notes. Thank you everybody and take care. Small Machine Talk. 
with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak.